morning. Welcome. It's great to have everybody here. Is this already on or am I supposed to put something? Good morning, everybody. Um, before I forget, there's a box in the back. Thank you, Carol Bray. Um, for if you have questions for the elders. Do you want them to turn it in now or at the end? If you have questions for the elders, can you turn you can raise your hand and we can collect those? Questions for the elders? We got that? Okay, let's go ahead and pray. Because when we're married, we need to pray. <laughs> let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this morning. Thank you that we can gather here uh, as women, as families, with our friends, and take time just to be with you, to enjoy your creation, each other. Uh, Father, I pray that you would be with us this morning as you guide our class. Father, we desire to be spiritual women in our marriages and in our families. We desire to be women that are led by you and led by your spirit. And I pray that you would guide our class, be with Jackie and myself, and Father, speak the words that need to be spoken. We love you with all our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it's great to have everyone here this morning. I know some of you thought this was about spiritual leadership, and it is. It's about spiritual leadership. That was our ploy to get you here. But it is great to be together. I'm kidding. Um, I wanted to introduce myself. I'm so I think everybody knows me here. I'm Son Galang. I've been married. Uh, I was married in Manila. I'm celebrating my 22nd anniversary this September. Woohoo! Two boys, Nick and Chris, 20 and 15. They're both disciples and really encouraging just to be a mom. But, you know, I, I love being married. Anybody love being married? Yes, for those who love being married, they're in this class. The other ones? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Repent for not coming to this class. But you know, it's funny because with only one left at home, he's a very active teenager, often spending the night at other homes, not home, etc., etc. Anthony and I often feel already like empty nesters. And so let me tell you, the man that you're with now, you're going to be with a long, long time after the kids are gone. So sisters, make it work. Make it work. We've got to make it work. And I will have to say there are challenging times being married and being led by God in our marriages. You know, this week, just this lesson, knowing I was going to do this lesson, I knew I had to prepare myself. Whenever I do a lesson of any kind... It always comes here. God says, I'm going to teach you firsthand. Here's your lab lesson. And sure enough, yesterday, you know, here we are in Palm Springs. I think yesterday in the afternoon was like 110, 110. And I, you know, in my mind, I'm, I'm the doer. I'm like, i got to go to Kinko's and make the copies. i got to, you know, i got to do all these things. Right? i got to go to the thrift store with Sydney because we're in Palm Springs. I'm but I think of all these things I've got to do. And Anthony goes, honey, why don't you walk with me to the golf shop? And I and do what? He goes, just walk with me, and then and then do what? I, I, I just want you to be with me and look at the golf course. I'm like, <laughs> every fiber is going. No, no. What am I gonna do? I'm like, okay. 
So he walks to the golf shop, he checks in, and that's it. It's okay. See you later, honey. I'll like <laughs> Love you, honey. Have a great night. Um, yeah, and then on the way over we had a bump because I'm directionally challenged. I'm very good at doing a lot of specific things. I, you know, I can arrange the whole house, clean the whole house, get everybody packed, but I don't know where east or west is. I don't know exactly where the room is. And so for some reason I had to do the directions and I got lost. And so we had a little bit of a bump, and I'm ironing the clothes, and I'm like, God, I'm supposed to be teaching a class on marriage. I'm helping with my husband. So he comes back in. I said, look, honey, I'm sorry. You're, I'm very good at the, little, at the little things, cleaning and all these things, and you're really good at directions. How about you just do directions? I just do this. And he gave me a big hug. We both apologize. But, you know, life is never ending like that, right? We're constantly growing, constantly challenged in our marriages. So I'm excited to teach with Jackie. We're teaching about spirit-led influence in our homes and marriages because we needed to be guided by God, right? Needed to be guided by the Spirit to do it right. And we're going to look at a woman who was influenced by God and made an incredible impact in 1 Samuel 25. So with that, I'll give you Jackie Marici. All right. Let's see. Yeah. The wife. The wife. The sister. The daughter. The mother. The mother-in-law. She's gone through many transformations over the years. And you're not a woman of the 40s or 50s. And let's just agree. The 80s were a tough time for all of us. You were a woman of modern times. A woman of today. But how do we prove to the world every day that we can live up to its expectations? Can a woman of today really have it all? Can we be pulled in all directions? without being pulled apart. Can we always be the women our family, friends, and co-workers really need? Being a woman in today's society can be a wild ride in itself, but being a godly woman in today's society can be even wilder. The standards for the worldly woman have changed over the years, but the standards of the godly woman have remained unwavering. We are women who speak with wisdom and walk with dignity. We are faithful in character, strong at heart, and generous in spirit. We are the life Designed after God's own heart. We can choose to be the women we want to be. Because we chose a creator who chose us first. So let the world paint an unattainable, idealized, and ever-changing portrait of a woman today. But today, let's be godly. Alright, so sisters, we have a choice today. I'm going to assume that because you are here, <laughs> that you have already chosen to be a godly woman. And we're going to get to choose to be godly women who influence the men in our lives while being led by the Holy Spirit. Spirit-led influence in our homes. And, uh, you know, it sounds great, doesn't it? It sounds really righteous and, and you know, awesome and noble. But um, we know that living it out is a whole nother issue. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know... I have all kinds of spirits that come out of me during certain times of the month or depending on my stress level or, you know, like yesterday preparing for a class, you know, whatever it is. Um, although Steve and I didn't get a fight yesterday. So, amen. But we probably did the day before. But anyway, um, you know, I have kinds of spirit. Let's see. What do I have? Um, you know, besides the Holy Spirit, 
At times, I have holy crud, right? Or holy cow, or holy guacamole, or, you know, whatever it is, but it's not a lot of times the Holy Spirit. And so today, you know, I'm teaching after being a year, 20 years as a disciple, and it is still a work in progress. Now, I don't want that to discourage you, <laughs> because we're at different stages all along our Christian walk. Therefore, we need the Holy Spirit to guide us and allow it to influence us as we influence our husbands and our children um, for God at different stages of life, right? So there's different challenges. I have grown, though. As a baby Christian, I will share a story so you can see where it's come from. I was um, definitely, I am woman, hear me roar, I'm never going to have to need a man. I married Stephen, like, great if it lasts, awesome if not, you know, hopefully it will, but if it doesn't, I need to be able to stand on my own two feet. I had my kids early on married so that they wouldn't stand in the way of my career. Um, it was all planned out like that. And as a young Christian, so we became disciples, and it's funny how the worldliness just doesn't, you know, automatically go away. Um, and those other spirits, you know, like the demonic ones that you have as a non-Christian, they don't just automatically go away. And so I remember Steve one time, again, early on in our Christian walk, um, before we were ever in leadership even, he says, you need to submit, you need to obey. And I was like, whoa. Um, I didn't sign up for that. And I said to him, there was a, a guy who had studied the Bible with him, and I said, if that, don't pull that, we'll just say Son, no, we'll just say Anthony Galang. Don't pull that Anthony Galang blankety blank on me, or I am out of here if that's what this church is about. <laughs> so, that is to give you hope as to where God can take you. Okay? This is so God can, 20 years forward, now, thankfully I never say that, and Steve doesn't go, you need to submit to me anymore, thank God. Um, but, um, you know, we were married as non-Christians, so there was a whole lot of undoing. Not a whole lot of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so, you know, God wants us to be led by the Holy Spirit. And um, we can and should be led by the Holy Spirit in our marriages and our family. It is possible. Regardless of your situation, we have a choice. Okay. First Samuel 25, verses 2 and 3. This is in the message version. It says, There was a certain man in Maon who called on his who carried on his business in the region of Carmel. He was a very prosperous, he was very prosperous, 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and it was sheep shearing time in Carmel. The man was named Nabal, a Calabite, and his wife was named Abigail. The woman was intelligent and good looking. The man was brutish and mean. Okay, let's just stop right there. Now, some of you are already saying, this sounds just like my marriage. <laughs> I am good looking and I'm very intelligent and my husband well you know he can be brutish and mean but you know I I'm here to tell you that your husband is not an A-ball um, and if we are you know to be honest all of us as men and women can be A-balls at different yeah, times yeah. right uh, you know, the story continues with David's request of Nabal to be hospitable to his men. Nabal's response is, um, well, it's brutish and mean. And David decides to kill him. So word gets to Abigail.
Abigail through one of Nabal's servants, and Abigail jumps into action. She calls her servants together. She prepares bread, wine, meat, grain, and cakes of raisins, otherwise known as Fig Newtons. <laughs> That's why you all have Fig Newtons, okay? To remind you of this lesson today, to drink it in, to, 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 to I don't know, get it into your system completely. Um, and she loads all this on donkeys and sets out to meet David and his men. So our point is, hurry ladies, and don't forget the big Newtons. <laughs> We're going to continue in verse 30, 25 to 30. Okay, as soon as Abigail saw, Abigail saw David, she got off her donkey and fell on her knees at his feet, her face to the ground in homage, saying, My master, let me take the blame. Let me speak to you. Listen to what I have to say. Don't dwell on what that brute Nabal did. His, he acts out the meaning of his name. Nabal, fool. Foolishness oozes from him. I wasn't there when the young man saw, when the young man my master sent arrived. I didn't see them. And now, my master, as God lives and as you live, God has kept you from this avenging murder. And may your enemies, all who seek my master's harm, end up like Nabal. Now take this gift that I, your servant girl, have brought to my master and give it to the young men who follow in the steps of my master. What had happened was that Nabal owned a lot of sheep and David had protected his sheep, you know, just a good thing to do. And so when time came, David said, hey, can you give my men something to eat? And Nabal, who was called fool, said, no, I know how people are running away from their masters. I'm not going to do anything. And so he didn't give David and his men anything to eat. And so David is going after him to revenge, avenge himself. Like, how dare you do this to me? And Abiel hears about this. She gets on her knees, etc., etc. And so let's go on. Forgive my presumption. The God is at work in my master developing a rule solid and dependable. My master fights God's battles. As long as you live, no evil will stick to you. If anyone stands in your way, if anyone tries to get out of the way... Know this, God-honored life is tightly bound in the bundle of God-protected life. But the lives of your enemies will be hurled aside as a stone is thrown from a sling. When God completes all the goodness he has promised my master and sets you up as prince over Israel, my master will not have this dead weight in his heart, the guilt of an avenging murder. And when God has worked things for good, my, mas for good, my master, remember me. And David said, Blessed be the God of Israel. He has sent you to meet me. And bless for your good sense. Bless you for keeping me from murder and taking charge of, look, of looking out for me. A close call. As God lives, the God of Israel who kept me from hurting you, if you had not come as quickly as you did, stopping me in my tracks, by morning there would have been nothing left of Nabal but dead meat. <laughs> then David accepted the gift you brought him and said, Return home in peace. I've heard, I've heard what you've said and I will do what you've asked. Okay, so, story goes on, Nabal dies, David didn't kill him, but Nabal does die, and um, we'll read a little bit further, but hurry ladies, don't forget the Fig Newtons. You know, there's some things I noticed about Abigail, that she was able to um, have life-changing impact on David because she was led by the Spirit. Uh, she was able to bring out David's own spiritual nature. Remind him of his victories. Bring him back to a godly focus. Um, remind him that God is establishing through you something great. Don't take this into your own hands. She was able to see beyond herself. 
And um, as we continue, in verse 41, it says, Then David sent for Abigail to tell her that he wanted her for his wife. David's servants went to Abigail at Carmel with this message. David sent us to bring you to marry him. She got up, then bowed down, face to the ground, saying, I'm your servant, ready to do anything you want. I'll, I'll even wash the feet of my master servants. Abigail didn't linger. She got on her donkey, and with her five maids in attendance, went with the messengers to David and became his wife. Okay, I don't know about you, but this is incredibly challenging. Um, you know, her humility challenges me. Uh, you know, to even read the passage is, you know, painful. She says, it says, she bowed down, face to the ground. And um, in her humility, says, I will even, offers to wash the feet of his servant. Of his servant. So this type of humility only comes from being led by the Spirit. In my own sinful nature, if I do what Jackie thinks is best, or my opinion, or how I'm feeling emotionally at any given time, there's a good chance it's not going to go the way of humility. And good things aren't going to come out. I mean, I could bring a lot of things out in Steve, right? We all know sisters are husband's hot buttons, right? We, and those of us have older kids, we know our older kids' hot buttons, too. Just like they know ours. Um, but we have to set an example when they press our buttons as well. That we are led by the Spirit, not by our emotions. You know, this type of humility only comes from being led by the Spirit. And as women, we have a powerful role, an opportunity to influence our husbands um, for better or worse. Uh, we can influence them to be the best they can be for God. And I know that, you know, some of us who are married, we all kind of laughed at, oh, I'm married to Nabal. But we can be critical of our husbands. And my question is this, sisters. And maybe your husband is in a place where he needs some serious spiritual help. But my question is this. What are we doing? What is it that we are doing to help influence and bring out the best godly man that we can? In this? You know, I learned um, years ago that God cared much more about, cared much less about me being right and much more about the unity in my marriage. And there is an enormous responsibility that God has given us as women. And I'm afraid that we don't take it nearly as seriously as God does. Um, you know, I think it's easy to get comfortable. I mean, you know, the home is where we let our hair down. Home is where, you know, the true, you know, there's no facade that has to be put on. Home is where the people that we care about most can hurt us the most, right? It's a lot easier for me at times to forgive somebody who is my friend than it is for my husband, for me to forgive my husband. Because he can hurt me more deeply than this other person. We have a huge responsibility to bring unity to our marriage and bring out the best man of God that we can. And I know for me to be what God calls me to be as a wife, a mother, a leader, there must be more Holy Spirit and a lot less Jacqueline. Um, you know, and a lot of times... You know, it's, there's a lot more Jacqueline there is the Holy Spirit. And we don't talk about the Holy Spirit enough. We talk about God and the Father and Jesus. And, and those things are great, obviously. But we don't talk about the Holy Spirit enough. And God tells us, the Word tells us that Mary was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. 
then Jesus was led by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon Jesus at his baptism. Demons were driven out by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. The Spirit is willing, the Bible tells us. The Spirit is our counselor. And we receive the Holy Spirit at baptism. The same exact Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, we receive at our baptism. We are without excuse. We are shamefully without excuse. And I believe that we just need to tap into this. This is going to take more than a 45-minute class. Okay, this is something we've got to dive into. This is like little, this is like scratching the surface. This is going to take us digging into our Bibles, going to our concordance, getting on the computer, looking up the Holy Spirit, and really examining what it means to be led by the Holy Spirit. I'm here to convince you today, Psalm's here to convince you today, just that we need to be led by the Holy Spirit. You've got to go back and figure out, okay, what does that mean in my life personally? The Holy Spirit is God's transforming agent. You know, we talk about being transformed in Christ. That's what we're doing in, in coastal L.A. That's what we're doing in, in the family ministry. Being transformed by Christ. That's our theme. The Holy Spirit is the agent, the transforming agent. You know, um, we don't have to be our husband's personal Holy Spirit. Sisters, guess what? They have the Holy Spirit. We don't have to be the hovering spirit over our husbands. Right? You know, um, how does the Holy Spirit influence us to influence them in our lives? In um, Galatians 5, 16-26, we use this passage, we know this because Galatians 5, 19, right? We know the sin list. We use it, this passage a lot regarding um, sin. But really the passage is talking as well about the Holy Spirit. The theme of the passage is really living by the Spirit. Seven times in ten verses, the Holy Spirit is talked about. So the greatest way to influence them in our lives is for us as women... Um, in their lives, is to keep in step with the Spirit. A happy, fruitful life. Peace. Peace in the home. Peace in our marriages. All the fruits of the Spirit are a result of keeping in step with the Spirit. You know, allowing ourselves to be influenced by the Holy Spirit. That's what brings about the fruits of the Spirit. And my goal as a disciple, who is, happens to be a married woman and a mother, um, would be that these nine words found in Galatians 5, 22 through 23 would describe me. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, um, faithfulness, self-control. You know, it is. It's a constant work in progress. It seems like I get one of those. Well, I think I get one of them down, right? Because <laughs> you never really do. But you think you get one of them down. You make some good progress. And then, you know what, now I'm not feeling so faithful. Now I've got to work on faithfulness. And then, but you know, it's God is stretching us. He's growing our faith. He's stretching um, how much we are willing to be led by Him. And um, again, it's a constant work in progress. In Galatians 5.22 through 25 of the message, it says, But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion and heart, and a conviction that is that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitment, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Legalism is helpless in bringing this about. Sometimes don't we struggle with legalism? Like we want it done the way we want it done. That's what the Bible says it needs to be this way. You know, and we're going to, I don't know, police it in, in everybody else's lives, right? 
our husbands, our kids, whatever. Legalism is helpless in bringing this out. It only gets in the way. Among those who belong to Christ, everything connected with getting our own way and mindlessly responding to what everyone else calls necessities is killed off for good, crucified. Since this is the kind of life we have chosen, the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold it hold it as an idea in our heads or as a sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implications in our daily lives. That is blowing. You know, it's this great idea. It sounds righteous. It's so noble. Yes, I'm going to be led by the Spirit. We've got to live it out in our lives. It can't just be an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts. You know, the, the, the saying, um, you know, great intentions pave the way to hell. You know, we can't intend to be led by the Holy Spirit, sisters. We must be led by the Holy Spirit. Let's be women like Abigail. Influence the men in our lives in God and with the Holy Spirit to bring out the best man, the best child that they can be, keeping in step with the Spirit. This time, Saul's going to come up and go over some practicals about um, living the fruits of the Spirit in our everyday lives. Amen. So the second point is with the Spirit leading the way, I'll bring the fruit tray. The first one was, hurry out, ladies, bring the thing, Newton. Second one is with the Spirit leading the way, I'll bring the fruit tray. You know, let's turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. I want to read this in verse 16. In verse 16, it says, Galatians 5:16. it says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. The sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under law. You know, this, this really is the whole premise of our marriages, right here. We've got our spiritual nature, and we've got the sinful nature. And they're constantly in conflict. And I don't know about you, but daily, hourly, minute by minute, I've got to make decisions when I'm with my husband. Am I going to follow my spiritual side, or am I going to follow my sinful side? You know, for me in Galatians 5, 19 through 21, it says that the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. My sinful nature is very, very obvious. I'm prideful, and with my pride comes controlling. I want everything in control. I think my ideas are the best ideas. Yeah. I don't care where my husband went to school. I don't care what you know, what person discipled up. My idea is the better idea. Um, selfishness is another part of my sinful nature. There are times I don't want to give. Well, what am I going to get out of walking to the golf shop? What? I'm going to get hot, sweaty. You know, there was nothing to buy, nothing on sale in there for me to buy. I, I did not want any golf chain or anything else, no jewelry. I was like, I don't want any of this stuff. And so I tend to give in to my selfish nature. I tend a lot of times um, to give in to jealousy and envy and insecurity. I've often had thoughts, and I'm open with my husband. I, I think he would have done better if he married somebody taller. I know that sounds really foolish. I'm like, you'd have a taller waist, a taller, you know, family line of boys. You know, she's prettier. She cooks better. She cleans better. All these insecurities. Basically, it's my pride and my selfishness. 
And so I had my sinful side constantly fighting with my spiritual side. What should I be like? Should I serve him? Should I love him? Should I be patient? You know, on many of your chairs, we have down here a list of the uh, fruits of the Spirit. And I'll just go through quickly. If you don't have it, I can email it to your um, to Jackie, and I'll email it out to the family group leaders. But you look at the first fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. You know how men spell love? R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Find out what it means to me. That You know what it means to them? Respect is love. That's what it means. Assume the best first. Pray daily for him. Pray together often. I pray often for my husband. And I'll have to say you go in stages as a wife, right? You know, in the very beginning, life is good. You're on your honeymoon. And then you kind of figure each other out. It's like, what? You don't brush your teeth all the time? Or what? You don't clean up and your socks are everywhere. And then you start having kids and life is blissful again. And you're like, oh, my offspring. They look just like me. And, oh, my offspring was just sinful. He's your offspring. <laughs> so you go through these stages, right? So I'm going through a little bit of a stage where uh, I believe both of us are going through kind of a midlife crisis. Uh-oh. Sounds a little odd. I'm a little peri- perimenopausal. Um, so I'm going through my things. He's going through his things. And instead of deciding to clash, I pray often for him. Because I know I prayed a lot for the right husband. I begged God. I said, God, if you give me Anthony, I promise I will constantly offer him to you. And I've got to remember that whenever I read in 1 Samuel about Hannah, constantly remember, I wanted him. I prayed for him. Right? Yes. I chose him. He chose me. Let's keep it going. But what I found is that being married has challenged me spiritually more than anything else. I go to God often. It's not my kids, because my kids, I, I love them. You know, they, I, I love my kids. I, they're so cute. <laughs> I just love my kids. They're very easy to love. And yes, it has challenged me. But with my spouse, I will have to say it's called me higher spiritually than I ever would have imagined. Because unfortunately, I used to read romance novels, watch love stories, and it's like so different (laughs) in real life than what's shown on TV. It's so different. And so what God has shown me is I've got to fight my sinful nature and follow the Spirit constantly. I've got to be loving. I've got to be joyful. I've got to encourage Him to go on dates with me. And you know, a lot of times we sit back, leave me. Ask me on a date. Set up a time. Set up a date time. You call Al this time, or you call Gloria. We want them to lead sisters. It's not about that. It's not about who calls first or who sets up the date first. Just make it happen and be happy together. Amen? And let me tell you, the fruit of all this is a husband that just adores you, that just loves you, that thinks you are the queen. These are the fruits of what happens when you treat your husband as the king needs to be. Encourage his hobby time. You know, sometimes we think, no, hobby time, we, we got clothes, we got kids, we've got a house, we've got a lot of things. He don't have time for hobby. He needs, men need a release. Okay, I've got two boys. My, my boys, they need to go, go, play, get all your energy up. They need to get their energy up. You know, their energy doesn't stop when they're 20, 30, 40. They need to get that out, and they get it out through the hobby and through sex. Face it. Yeah. Hobbies and sex. 
That's how they get it out. But they need to get it out. They, they have all this pent-up energy. Um, peace, make your home a refuge. Learn what makes your husband happy in the home. My husband likes candles lit, this sound wave music. <laughs> he likes that peaceful spa atmosphere. He'd probably want me to massage him every day. But they want peace. Patience, become an expert in who your husband is. Find out who your husband is. What makes him tick? Read a lot of books. I read a lot of books about marriage. Because I need the constant flow of ideas. I, I need to focus. And I find myself, when I'm focusing on marriage, I'm a lot more in love. Um, be quick to forgive. Be quick to listen. Be kind. You know, the Bible just talks on and on. Kindness. Give helpful input. Be constructive, not destructive. Praise his success publicly, privately. Be solution-oriented. You know, remember, two of you make the team. It's not just about him constantly being the leader. You can come up with the solutions also. Goodness. Express confidence. Don't be resentful about his weaknesses. As Jackie said, just take a look at yourself. You've got the same weaknesses. But don't be resentful of his weaknesses. Minimize his weaknesses and maximize his strengths. You can go on faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And faithfulness, I want to encourage you. You can read on in this whole list that we gave you, but I want to encourage you to be his number one student, to be his number one disciple. You know, my life and my perspective totally changed when I decided I am going to be Anthony's number one disciple. Now, I know I'll never be able to preach like him, be athletic like him, speak the man is incredible with his words, with his communication. He's amazing. He's gifted with sports. But you know what? I can learn his heart. Yeah. I can learn the way he, he forgives so quickly. He doesn't hold a record of wrongs. He's super patient, super kind to everyone. He's always happy. I want to be like Anthony Galang. Sisters, I want to encourage you. Be your husband's number one discipler. I want to be like A.J. Johnson. I want to be like Mark Shaw. I want to be like Kirk Nascimento. I want to be like Pat Toomey. I want to be like Richard Thompson. I want to be my husband's best disciple. But you know what that means? That means you've got to look for the good. That's right. You've got to look for the good. Amen? Amen? So going along with patience, knowing your husband, in the very back of your sheet, I've printed up something that says know your man. Wisdom is knowing who you married and learning to adapt to him as he is. Not as you want him to be. You know, sometimes we try to mold our husband to what we want him to be, right? We want him to be I don't know, whoever your favorite. We want him to be Derek Jeter. We want him to be Tom Cruise. We want him to be, you know, Liam Neeson. We want him to be just like these guys that we see. And we're trying to mold him constantly. I want to encourage you to adapt to him as he is. Know your man. I'm so grateful that Anthony doesn't want me to be like all these other women. He loves me as I am. All four foot eleven of me. He just loves me. It doesn't matter. He doesn't want me to look like her or cook like her or talk like her. He's happy with who I am. Let's be happy with who we've got as our spouses. Amen? But you know, I, I know many books have been written about different types of men. I just put three types here. 
So we, just to, to clarify, but and make it easy, but there's three kinds of men. Men are often a mixture of, of both or, or one. Mr. Command, Mr. Visionary, and Mr. Steady. Who is your man? Mr. Command, he commands other men. He's a born leader. On the surface, he has a deficit in gentleness. He's known for expecting wife, his wife to wait on him and does not want her in any project that prevents her from serving him. This is Mr. Command. He wants all your attention. He is strong, he is forceful, and he seems to be sufficient in himself, but he needs his woman. Every king needs the queen. He needs his woman to stand by her, stand by him, to be faithful, to be loyal, to be obedient. Without his woman's admiration, victories are muted. She needs to learn not to take offense at his headstrong aggressiveness. And a good helpmate will find that when her husband... Um, is when she's a good helpmate, her husband will be wonderfully protective and be supportive. And then we've got Mr. Visionary. Mr. Visionary is a gifted man or inventor. They love confrontation. He is the voice crying out in the wilderness, striving to make a change. He needs a good, wise, prudent, stable wife who has a positive outlook on life. She should be able to learn to be a little bit reckless, and she's going to enjoy the ride. Learn how to be flexible. And learn how to be loyal to your man. Can you just imagine some of these men right now? The commander man, the visionary man. But learn to go with his flow. One of his greatest needs will be for his wife to think objectively and use common sense, which will keep his feet grounded. His focus can often be so intense that matters can easily be blown out of proportion. I know these visionary men. They have one idea to the next. It's like Thomas Edison. Can you imagine being married? You know, I got a light bulb going. I got electricity. I got a car. I got all these things. But we needed Thomas Edison in our life, and we needed a good wife to stand by him. The last husband is Mr. Steady. Steady Eddie. He doesn't make snap decisions or try to tell other people what to do. He avoids controversy. Your husband's gentleness is not a weakness. It's his strength. Your husband's hesitation is not indecision. It is cautious wisdom. Careful not to be discontent because he is slow and cautious. His lack of spontaneity and open boldness may look like indifference to in spiritual things, but however he is like deep, deep water. If you are a controlling woman, this man can drive you crazy. Let him be the one God made him to be. A still, quiet, thoughtful presence for you. A steady man likes a woman to walk beside him, yet grow in her own right before God in him. Thank Jesus. Jesus actually was all these things. But we've got to know our man. So many times we want to fight our man. Oh, he's so commanding, or he's so visionary. He's always off in so many di different directions. Or he's so slow, he's so steady, he's driving me crazy. This is the man God brought to you for a reason. Personally, I need a steady, commanding man in my life. I know my husband doesn't look commanding, but I tell you, he's commanding in my room and in my house. But I needed a steady guy because I can just be all over the place. And I used to mis mistake his steadiness as just being slow or weak or weak-willed. But it is very true. He is deep, deep, strong waters. Your visionary man, he's not over the, all over the place. He's saving the world. Your commanding man, he's not just being bossy. He's making things happen. But know your man. Wisdom is knowing who you marry. 
and learning to adapt to him as he is, not as you want to be. Amen. Know your man and follow the fruits of the Spirit. Son is little, but she is powerful. We love all four foot eleven of you. Um, okay, let's remember as we come in for a landing that our first love is God, our first ministry is our marriage, our second ministry is our children, our third ministry is our church family, and our mission field is our neighborhoods, our communities, and every place we set our foot and lay our head. And um, let's be women in our homes and in our neighborhoods and our communities um, that lead and influence the way God intended with the Holy Spirit. Let's strive to keep in step with the Spirit in our lives every single day. Let's live lives and demonstrate the Spirit, the Spirit working in us and through us. I want to close with this little kind of story prayer. I don't really know how it fits, but I liked it, so you get to show it very much. Recently, I overheard a mother and daughter in their last moments together at the airport. They had announced a departure, standing near the security gate. They hugged, and the mother said, I love you, and I pray you enough. The daughter replied, Mom, our life together our life together has been more than enough. Your love is all I ever needed. I pray you enough too, Mom. They kissed, and the daughter left. The mother walked over to the window where I was seated, standing there. I could see she wanted and needed to cry. I tried not to intrude on her privacy, but she welcomed me by asking, did you ever say goodbye to somebody knowing it would be forever? Yes, I have, I replied. Forgive me for asking, but why is this a forever goodbye? Well, I'm not as young as I once was. She lived so far away (laughs) and has her own busy life. I have some challenges ahead, and the reality is her next trip back will be for my funeral, she said. When you were saying goodbye, I heard you say, I pray you enough. May I ask what that means? She began to smile. That's a prayer that has been handed down from other generations. My parents used used to say it to everyone. She paused a moment and looked up as if trying to remember it in detail, and she smiled even more. When we say, I pray you enough, We wanted the other person to have a life filled with just enough good things to sustain them. Then turning toward me, she shared the following as if she were reciting it from memory. I pray you enough, son, to keep your attitude bright, no matter how gray the day may appear. I pray you enough rain to appreciate the sun even more. I pray you enough happiness to keep your spirit alive and everlasting. I pray you enough pain so that even the smallest of joys in life may appear bigger. I pray you enough gain to satisfy your wanting. I pray you enough loss to appreciate all that you possess. I pray you enough hellos to get you through the final goodbye. Sisters, son and I, pray you enough. Let's be led by the Spirit. Amen.